Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Magnesium is known as a universal mineral due to its important role in many functions of the body. Today we share the importance of optimal magnesium status for muscle function, glucose metabolism, and energy production. And we also look into why runners require up to 20% more magnesium in their daily diets than the recommended daily intake. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back. I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen. How are you today, Karen? Yes, I'm all good. Thanks, Aileen. Looking forward to our conversation once again. Brilliant. Okay. So as usual, we're going to start by sharing something personal with you all about our nutrition or our running uh, before we move on to discuss today's topic, which is focusing on the mineral magnesium and its importance for runners. So Karen, um, here's my question to do today. It's all about running gear. So I just wondered what your favorite brand of uh, running gear clothes or shoes is what what would you say uh well regarding my running gear so the clothes side of it alien i have to say i'm a real ron hill fan uh, and i've been wearing ron hill for many years and i know there are lots of different brands out there but i just really like it mainly because i think the brand has the runner in mind whereas there are lots of other brands that are either trying to be trendy with their styles or maybe the styles are based on multiple different sports whereas Ron Hill does focus on the runner and also I like it because I like the cut the cut just seems to to fit and suit my physique so um and and also it it does all change I find Ron Ron Hill does try and change with the times so the the colors and the the um styles do kind of shift so yeah I'm a real fan alien how about you? Do you have a favourite brand or do you tend to mix it up a bit? Uh, well, I do tend to mix it up a bit, but I do really like Ron Hill too. Um, so I tend to check their website out every season and see what they've got. Um, so I especially love their tops and jackets. Um, I tend to, for bottoms, I tend to go for Sweaty Betty, which I know, as you say, is a sort of a 
more it's not really a fashion brand it is quite fashionable um but they do have really good quality leggings and i love them i love the fit I love the pockets. The pockets are really important to me. I like to be able to have somewhere to put my phone and put my keys. And and also you can get different lengths too, which for me is quite important because I'm not that tall. Um, so, you know, the seven eighth length actually is full length for me. And then in the summer, you can get different lengths if you want them. So I, I just love them. And, uh, you know, I'm quite brand loyal. So I tend to once I find something I like, I stick with it. Um, but I, I love, uh, I like spying on other runners as well. So when I'm out and about, I like to see what other people are wearing. Sometimes I get a bit envious and I'll come home and I'll look up different brands. Um, so yeah, I love my running clothes and I think it's really nice to be colorful and, and enjoy what you're wearing. Cause you know, as we've said before, you wear, wear them a lot. So it's good to have something that makes you feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I, and, and like you, I like the color. Um, I like to have like lots of different colors in one, in one item that I'm wearing and then just have a plain color on the other half, whether it be the top half or the bottom <laughs> half. I'm not all color, but I like to have some color there. Great. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to discuss today's topic, which, as we said at the beginning, is all about magnesium and the importance for the runner. And it's probably a mineral that everybody knows about as a runner. Um, but the things that we're going to talk about today are really considering how important magnesium is for a runner. Then we're going to talk about the effects of magnesium status on running performance. Uh, and then we'll talk about the potential risk factors for suboptimal magnesium levels. And then finally, we'll finish off by looking at some key nutritional interventions. Uh, so what you can do to support your magnesium status so that it's optimal. So, Karen, let's start by looking into the importance to the runner. Um, so what can you tell us about magnesium and how important it is for the runner? So thinking about really what what magnesium is to start with, Aileen, um, like you said right at the beginning, magnesium is a mineral. Um, and in fact, it's it's classed as an essential mineral in that it must be provided from our diet um, as our bodies are unable to synthesize it. And it's it's known as the universal mineral just because it plays an important role in the structure structure and the function of the body as a whole and in fact and I think you've mentioned this before in an ep in episodes alien that that it is involved in over 300 metabolic reactions so it's very very important but it, it, it's involved in those reactions as a mineral but also as a cofactor for different enzyme reactions and when you think about how much uh, magnesium in, is it in the body, in an adult human body, there is um, 25 grams of magnesium, of which over 60 percent. So the, the, the majority of magnesium is found in the skeleton. Then 27 percent is found in muscle. Roughly six to seven percent is found in other cells of the body. And less than 1% is actually found outside of cells. So most of it is cellular. Wow. Wow. Mm. That's amazing. So that's a really great introduction, Karen, to a mineral as a really essential but often neglected mineral. Mm. Um, so can we now look at the importance of magnesium for the runner? And what would you say are the key areas that we should be discussing today? 
Yes, well, magnesium um, is known, like I say, to play a key role in many biological processes overall, but also a lot of biological processes that influence sports performance. Um, So today we will discuss its influence on muscle function, glucose metabolism and energy production. But it is also involved in the likes of electrolyte balance, which people will be aware of, I'm sure, bone health, which we discuss in detail in episode 21 and 24 of the podcast. And we speak about magnesium there as well. And it's also involved in um, metabolism of protein. And I think another thing that's worth noting here is that strenuous exercise is thought to increase the loss of magnesium through urine and sweat. So the magnesium demands of an athlete could be up to 10 to 20 percent higher than in the general population. And, and and also building on that, some studies have found that the dietary intake of magnesium is often low in athletes. And one survey that was carried out found that as many as half of the athletes, which is a, is a lot, half of the athletes surveyed were consuming diets containing less than the recommended intake of magnesium for sedentary adults, which, by the way, is... Um, around 300 milligrams for men and 270 milligrams um, for women. And these are men and women aged between 19 to 64. And these also, I just want to mention here, these are the government guidelines. They're not the optimal guidelines. So when you think of, of the fact that almost half or more than half of athletes are having less than sedentary um, individuals and their needs are potentially 10 to 20 percent more now that's quite a significant um, it is question. it is it's very significant yeah. I, mean, I was going to say i wonder why runners consume less magnesium than the rest of the population but really what we're saying these athletes cons- consume less than what is recommended and it might be that the rest of the population is not taking what is recommended either um yeah. So, you know, my thought is that maybe everybody's just not eating enough vegetables because that's one of the main sources of, of magnesium. But, uh, but yeah, let's let's move on and think about magnesium and its influence with the muscle function and the muscle contraction and relaxation that you mentioned earlier. And, and we have discussed this before, haven't we, Karen? Uh, mm. Fairly recently in episode 52, which was a focus of on calcium and uh, we talked there about how magnesium and calcium work closely together uh, particularly in influencing the muscle contraction and relaxation and um, that muscle contraction cycle is known as the sliding filament theory so you might remember that if you've listened into that episode recently Um, so the muscle contraction cycle is, is triggered by calcium, but the relaxation process is triggered by magnesium uh, because magnesium acts as a natural calcium blocker. But if your magnesium levels are low, muscles may contract too much. And this is known to cause the symptoms such as the cramps and the muscle spasms and the restless legs, which tend to occur mostly at night time. You know, often, you know, when you're in the evenings when you're sitting on the sofa and your legs are twitching or when you get into bed and you can't rest properly and and that can also lead to insomnia and I think that's a really common complaint in 
many people, not just athletes, but it's something that a lot of people talk about. And is that something that you've ever experienced, Karen? No, actually, Aileen, I haven't experienced restless legs, but I have to say I have suffered from the cramps and the spasms, which initially I put down to sodium. Uh, as in low sodium intake. Um, And then I had some blood tests completed, which revealed a magnesium deficiency. It wasn't even insufficient. It was quite deficient. And then once I started taking the supplements, they just disappeared. So um, so what I would say to uh, anyone who's suffering from cramps and spasms, that remember, it could be linked to your magnesium levels, not necessarily sodium. And I think as as generally with athletes and, and and also runners you know I think most of us probably associate these symptoms with sodium that's what comes to mind first because I think it's what's out there in the media most so um, I would really advise that you test for your magnesium levels um, and and just determine whether that is the issue or not and, and and definitely do that before commencing any supplements just so that you know where you are. Aileen, is, is, um, is it something you've suffered from? Have you ever had restless legs? Yeah, I did have it years ago and it was really irritating and uncomfortable and I don't think, I mean, again, I'm, I'm talking a long time ago so it was way before I had any nutritional knowledge um, and, and looking back, um, I think it was related to stress. And, and we know that stress is known to deplete magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said earlier, I think restless legs and muscle cramps are really common amongst, I find amongst new clients, but it, it's one that's easily resolved. I mean, I've never really looked at how many people tell me this, but it's one that I always notice on the questionnaires. So it's just like, mm-hmm. it's always there. <laughs> so it's yeah. an easy one to solve, which we'll talk about later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Karen, let's move on and talk about magnesium's role in glucose metabolism. And again, how is that relevant to a runner? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. I think um, sort of everyone listening to this who follows us regularly will be really aware of the importance of glucose metabolism for running, because it's something that we talk about often, isn't it? Because it, it is the most efficient energy source for a runner. So thinking about magnesium's role in this process, well, it it influences um, glucose metabolism in in three key ways. Uh, One is um, it helps to regulate glucose homeostasis, so helps to maintain that glucose balance. It also regulates glucose phosphorylation. So that's one of the 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 metabolic processes um, and phosphorylation being the first stage of glucose breakdown to produce energy and there are actually nine stages altogether so this is just the that's just the first one and that's where magnesium is really important and then it also acts as a cofactor for several key enzymes um in in glucose metabolism, including um, the the enzyme reaction with pyruvate hydrogenase, and that's required for the metabolic flexibility. Now, what I mean by that is, is the ability to move from one energy substrate to another, depending on the availability within the body. So, for example, thinking about moving from uh, burning carbohydrates to burning fat, as a fuel or vice versa. 
So that's what I mean by this metabolic flexibility. So, so as you can imagine, you know, if magnesium is suboptimal or deficient, the metabolism and really subsequent utilization of glucose for fuel is going to be really impaired. And that is then going to compromise running performance. Wow. So this is really getting into the intricacies of magnesium, Karen, and its its role in glucose metabolism is really interesting. I think this an area that people might not have thought about before. Um, So I think the other thing just to, um, you know, think about because magnesium is is key in this glucose metabolism, it means it's indirectly linked to energy production too, because glucose is required for energy production. Yeah, absolutely right, Aileen. But but as well as being indirectly involved in the energy production, it's directly involved as well, um, which we will just mention in a minute. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention another way in which magnesium's influence on glucose metabolism may impact on running performance. So most of you will be aware that that the brain's principal energy source is glucose, and that's something that we, we speak about a lot as well. Alien, and during exercise, the brain and the neural pathways demand for energy increases, uh, and that it increases to help support um, functional movements, but also other physiological fluctuations as well. But exercise induces the movement of magnesium away from the brain and into the blood plasma. Therefore, that regulation of blood metabolism in the brain is then compromised, which, you know, it it could then compromise the exercise performance at a cerebral and neural level. So that's another way that maybe, again, a lot of us don't really think about, but could have a significant impact. Because as we know, everything is fed down from the from the brain through the neural pathway. So through um, through our nerves. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, So, yeah, that's that's another another thing to think about, isn't it? Um, So so also just um, just very quickly, Karen, I'll just mention that. Um, magnesium's you know is involved in this energy production as we said earlier but linking it to running during exercise the uh, magnesium and ATP the adenosine triphosphate uh, which is the the direct molecule used for energy so we, we talk about ATP as being cellular energy currency so that needs to be bound to magnesium to be biologically active so if magnesium's not available the energy will not be available, resulting in having muscle fatigue and performance being compromised. So it's it's almost like a limiting factor, isn't it? If we don't have magnesium, we can't make the energy, we can't get it to the muscles, we can't, you know, have a performance that we want. So, you know, when we're all thinking about magnesium just being related to muscle cramps, there's a bit more going on than just that, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, from the brain down, mm. it's really influential. So so hopefully from what we've spoken about, everyone is maybe a bit more aware of how important magnesium is in maintaining running performance. So especially linking it to the muscle contraction and relaxation we spoke about, this glucose metabolism and also um, indirectly and directly linking it to um, pr- the production of energy to fuel our running. 
Great. Thank you for that quick roundup there. So let's now consider the, the effects of magnesium status on running performance. So we've alluded to a few things already. Um, and it, it's been acknowledged in, in some research that insufficient magnesium could compromise exercise performance. But the jury is still out, as it often is in these situations. Um, the, you know, other studies have failed to detect any effects. So let's have a look at how magnesium status could potentially compromise our running performance. And, uh, you know, we have touched on some of these already. So we've talked about fatigue, which is linked to um, poor energy production um, that would clearly impair performance, uh, but it might also lead to poor recovery from training. Um, so before the next training session, that might we might feel that our um, energy levels are, are compromised if magnesium status isn't addressed. And that, you can imagine this becoming a vicious cycle, so ultimately resulting in injury and time out of training. Um, Another thing to consider is um, how um, magnesium deficiency could lead to muscle weakness and damage. And, you know, the poor muscle function that we would have could lead to poor recovery and increased risk of, of injury. Uh, we've talked a lot already about the reduced glucose breakdown, which again directly li links to fatigue and energy production. So those are the sort of the, the, the main ones that we've talked about so far, Karen, but what else would you say about um, the impact of deficient magnesium status on running performance? Yeah, so we, we mentioned the muscle cramps and, um, and twitches uh, possibly as a result of that poor muscle relaxation in that um, contraction relaxation cycle. If we don't have the the magnesium to to stop the calcium um, um, sort of attaching, then we're not going to move back into that relaxed muscle state. And, and also because magnesium helps to res, uh, regulate that nerve function, if it's insufficient, it could boost the excitability of the nerve endings. And again, that could cause the muscles to twitch and spasm or to cramp. Um, and also the restless leg symptom, symptoms, like we said earlier, Aileen, especially at night, um, these can be experienced. Why at night? Possibly this could be because the body is at rest, but the muscles are unable to relax because of that reduction in magnesium. And the causes really are the same as for the cramps and the spasms, that being sort of that poor muscle function and those compromised neural pathways leading to the restless leg syndrome. Um, but also, um, I know we're not discussing it today, but I do just want to mention bone health because low magnesium status will have an effect on bone health. And as many of us know, that compromised bone mineral density Density can increase the risk of developing stress fractures, and um, that's something that is quite common in runners, especially distance runners. But also, it can um, increase the risk of developing osteopenia and osteoporosis. So, definitely um, bear, uh, thinking about all these potential risk factors and um, and effects that that. Um, low magnesium status can have. So so I really think the takeaway message from from this 
um, is that if you are experiencing any of these symptoms that we've just discussed, it might be worth having your magnesium levels tested, just like I said earlier, to determine or hopefully rule out it as a as a, as a possible um, as possible cause. Um, so, Aileen, before we move on to the next section, thinking about the risk factors for magnesium um, depletion, uh, shall we just have a, a quick advert break? Yeah, sure. That's the right time for it. Okay, so this is uh, where Karen and I just take a minute to tell you a little bit about the work we do outside of the podcast. Um, And one of the things that we do is run an online program called Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners. So Karen and I are just like you. We're busy working women. We run for health, fitness, achievement and fun. Um, But even as nutritional therapists, we've had our own personal running performance struggles over the years and, and continue to do because that's real life. You know, it's never always um, a, a straight path there's always bumps in the road um, but we we sort of addressed our own running performance struggles with a foundational everyday eating plan um, and also fine-tune it with sports nutritional principles and that helps us maximize running performance and minimize injury and, um, and what we've done with all of that information is we've turned it into easy nutrition for healthy runners so as I said earlier it's an online program it's a short and sweet video program which you can complete in around about 30 minutes a day over two weeks or you can take longer if you if you like to. Um, some of our clients prefer to um, dip in and out and do different parts of the program in their own at their own pace, really. Um, but basically, you get a 15 minute video each day, and there's an action step to take as well related to your nutrition. And uh, put it all together, and, and you'll get uh, an easy nutrition for healthy runners food plan that will really help help you. So um, if you've been listening today and you think that you'd like to know more about how to apply everyday nutrition alongside sports specific nutrition, we really believe this program is a great place to start and it will give you some um, wonderful information and lots of easy action steps too. So if you are interested, check it out at our website, runnershealthhub.com. Look up at the top menu bar at the online program. Click on there and you'll find everything that you you need to know. And if you've got any questions about the program, email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. So let's move on and think about what are the risk factors for suboptimal magnesium levels? And there are many, so we probably won't be able to go through all of them, but maybe we could discuss some of the key ones. Um, and some risk, risk factors, I think, are within our control, and then others are outside of our control. So let's ha- have a look at factors we can control first. And the one key one, and clearly where Aileen and I would start, is dietary. And our diet clearly is within our control. So thinking about um, how we can, how our diet could be affecting our magnesium levels. It could be that that your diet's low in foods containing good levels of magnesium, especially the dark green leafy vegetables and nuts and seeds. There are two key food groups that um, have good magnesium levels in it. It could be that um, some people are drinking or have an excessive intake of alcohol because alcohol um, 
is associated with digestive upset, inflammation in the digestive tract that could lead to that malabsorption or poor absorption of magnesium. And also that alcohol could affect the kidneys and that could lead to an increase of magnesium being excreted through the urine. So it's another thing to think about regarding the diet and also caffeine. You know, caffeine um, is is known to inhibit the absorption of magnesium from the digestive tract. But also caffeine is a, a well-known diuretic. So, again, a bit like alcohol could be um, sort of flushing the magnesium out through urine. And then there's phosphoric acid. Now, that's found um, often in uh, most soft drinks, and that competes with magnesium for absorption from the intestine. So for for individuals who are maybe having a lot of soft drinks in a day, it could be that that is compromising the absorption of magnesium. And also a low protein diet. You know, there is evidence that that magnesium balance remains positive as long as there is a protein intake above 30 grams per day. Now, that seems quite low, 30 grams of protein per day. But some people do forget about protein, especially potentially if you're vegetarian or vegan. Um, the, it, it could be that you think you're taking on sufficient uh, protein, but maybe not. So just something else to think about. And also overhydration. So that excessive drinking um, tends to lead to increased urination, which could again result in that increased magnesium loss in, in, in the, in urine as you go to, because you tend to go to the toilet more if you drink more. So Aileen, those are a few areas linked to the diet. What what else would you add here regarding um, a sort of fact, risk factors within our control that could compromise magnesium? Yeah, well, just to sort of uh, summarise what you said there, Karen, because I think it's really good advice. So what we're saying is eat foods that are high in magnesium optimize the amount of protein, optimize your hydration and minimize things like alcohol, caffeine and soft mm-hmm. drinks. So that's a sort of a, a catch all there. If you do all of that, you're going to be in a really good position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we've got to think about the things again that potentially could deplete you of mag- uh, magnesium. So um, when we're thinking about lifestyle, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, what what are our running um, and training plans like? Uh, what are our, um, you know, other exercises, things like going to the gym? So when we're thinking of strenuous exercise, obviously, there's a potential that uh, we might have increased sweating or if we're running in um, hot temperatures, um, there might be increased sweating and that could result in increased excretion of magnesium. Um I sort of touched on stress earlier on um, when I was thinking back to me sort of 15 years ago or so when I was in a highly stressed state. Um, we know that elevated cortisol levels um, due to having a high stress response demands an increase in magnesium. So that might reduce magnesium availability for other metabolic functions and, and process. And remember that stressing could be a that running could also be a stressor. So it doesn't just necessarily have to be um, what's going on in our outside life. It can also be the the type of exercise we're doing and how intense our exercise can also be um, a stressor or, or if we're doing really 
prolonged uh, running sessions. So that's something to bear in mind. And uh, within the sort of stress and rest sphere, we need to also think about sleep. So if you've not getting good quality sleep, that again could be a stressor and that could again be leading to this depletion in magnesium. And then the, the other one that again is something we've talked about in the past, Karen, the use of um, pharmaceutical drugs. So they, they might be things like diuretics and laxatives. Um, now, for some people, um, you know, you might be on prescribed medication. And so that makes it a bit more tricky. You know, you, you really have to take your prescribed medication if that's what your medical practitioner is advising. Um, but you might also, you know, want to consider getting medication reviews because some medications in the long term uh, might have effects on depletion of nutrients. Um, if, if you just need to take them in the short term, it might not be such a, a big issue for you. Um, so we we recommend uh, having a regular review with your GP at least every six months just to check in and say, um, why am I taking this? Do I need to continue taking it? Um, and also thinking about are any of your medications resulting in um, symptoms that might indicate depletions and in this case we're thinking about magnesium so there's, there's a few things to think about there Karen isn't there mm, absolutely. Um, so any other risk factors that you think um, might be worth talking about just now Yes, yeah, so I'm thinking, Aileen, about um, risk factors that are more outside of our control. And um, a couple that I just want to mention is age. And that is definitely outside of our control, although we'd like to control it sometimes. You, we can't. And it, it older individuals are thought to have um, overall lower magnesium intakes. Now, this is according to the National dietary surveys i haven't just plucked that out of the air so it is thought that that the elderly sort of uh, take in less magnesium and also aging is known to cause decreased absorption of magnesium from the intestines and increased excretion through urine and also um, older adults are, are more likely to be on, on medications like you've just spoken about, Aileen. So um, more likely to be on medications for potentially chronic diseases and therefore they need to be on them for the long term. But some of them um, might might induce that reduction in magnesium levels. And, and another area that's outside of our control, I think, is um, that may influence magnesium status are uh, certain health conditions. So conditions that interfere with the digestion and the absorption of magnesium and other uh, nutrients as well. And I'm thinking here of conditions including the likes of Crohn's disease, ulcerative ulcerative colitis and also celiac disease because they all lead to sort of that compromised digestion and inflammation of the digestive tract but also renal diseases would come in um, to that here and certain renal diseases could potentially lead to an increased magnesium excretion again through urine so those are the two areas that are outside of our control that I just wanted to mention yeah, I think that's really um, it's just good to know all of these things. And then it helps us manage what we can do within our control and realize that we can make an influence. Yeah. Um, so thanks. Thanks for that, Karen. Um, so just before we, we move on to discuss some nu nutritional interventions about what we can do to support 
optimal magnesium status. Are there any female factors that we need to be aware of, Karen? Well, actually, Aileen, interestingly, when I was researching for this topic, there were very few apparent female factors regarding magnesium status, except to say, um, like I mentioned earlier, the recommended daily intake of magnesium is lower for women than men. Um, I said earlier, it's 300 milligrams for men and 270 milligrams for women. And these are adults aged between six. Uh, 19 and 64 years old. But again, you know, this is sort of looking at government guidelines here. But also some studies state that um, an increased daily intake of magnesium for um, runners, um, all runners actually, not just female runners, could be important. Um, But currently there isn't uh, a recommended daily intake. Um, Although I did mention earlier that, that it's thought that athletes may need 10 to 20% more magnesium than the general population due to the potential um, um, reduction in intake, which is interesting, but also the losses through sweat and um, and just the demands of, of exercise. Um, and I would really recommend uh, individuals working with a nutritional uh, profes- professional um, as, as a professional would really be able to help personalise and, and also individualise magnesium needs. Work out, is it magnesium uh, insufficiency or deficiency or something else that's going on here? And certainly for anybody who's listening, um, Aileen and I would certainly be able to support anybody who would like or feels they need need some professional support regarding their their magnesium or overall nutrient needs for the running. Okay, so thanks for that, Karen. Um, so now let's look at what we can do nutritionally to support optimal magnesium status. Um, so my first thoughts are, um, you know, that it would be really important to reduce the intake of those foods and beverages that we talked about earlier that might be inhibiting magnesium absorption um, whilst also looking at what we can do to increase or optimize the amount of uh, foods that we're eating that are rich in magnesium so it's like that um, almost like that balancing seesaw effect isn't it mm-hmm. um, so we, we summarized this earlier but I'll just sort of recap here um, so the things that we need to think about reducing or for some people it might be to remove um, depending on what their situation is so we, we talked about caffeine we talked about alcohol and fizzy drinks so that would be a really good place to start um, Now, for some people, removing these drinks might be completely a step too far. So it might be that you would think about reducing them over a period of time. That's often the recommendation or the approach that um, we would take with our clients. Um, And what I tend to find is that once people start to feel some health benefits from reducing their intake of these types of um, drinks, they actually want to continue reducing their intake. So, you know... It's. I think it's just one of those things that once you highlight it with people and they make a few step changes, suddenly they think, actually, I can do without this. So it's not so, it's not as big a problem as I thought, um, especially when it comes to the fizzy soft drinks. Um, they might still want to have a glass of wine, you know, at the weekends, uh, on special occasions. 
uh, maybe having a coffee when they're out socializing at the weekend and that that's that's fine so it's everything in in moderation will work for most people but I think it's really important just to know where you are now and realize what what's going on with you yeah, absolutely, Alien. And actually, whilst we're we're discussing drinks, um, I just wanted to mention overhydration again. You know, we mentioned earlier um, that it's something um, that can occur, and I have to say, I see it quite a lot in clinic. and And I think it might be because there is so much information out there about underhydration, so people tend to compensate. That's certainly what I find with my clients. They just feel, oh, I've got to keep drinking because I'm running and I'm sweating. And so I recommend um, sort of 1.5 litres to 2 litres as an average daily intake and then with an increase of approximately 500 mils on on training days. Clearly, that is going to be different for for the individual. And that's why the personalised approach is much better because it will depend on on what they wear, how far they're they're, they're running and sweat rate as well. Um, So... um, I think I think the message here is always listen to your body. If you feel thirsty, drink, but try not to drink large amounts at one time. This is something else I find my clients do an awful lot. They forget to drink and then they'll just gulp it down. And um, and the body won't be able to assimilate all that amount of water um, at, at, at one time. So some of it will get into the cells, but the excess will then be excreted and potentially magnesium going with it. So um, so so more important, I think, to just try and sip the water regularly throughout the day as an alternative. So always having water by your side and having uh, drinks a few sips every few minutes. Minutes would be my recommendation. Um, so that's that's sort of the fluids and the drink side of it. So now let's think about foods to include to help optimize our magnesium um, levels. So as we mentioned briefly earlier, green leafy vegetables and nuts and seeds are uh, really good sources of magnesiums, especially almonds, cashews and Brazil nuts. Um, they're particularly high in, in magnesium, for example, 28 grams, which is roughly one ounce of almonds, contains approximately 80 milligrams of magnesium, which equates to roughly 20% of that government recommended daily intake. So when you think that you you could have that as a snack, there's quite a significant proportion of your magnesium that you're taking in at one time. And then thinking about the leafy vegetables, spinach, Swiss chard and kale, again, are are some of the best sources with spinach coming out on top because it contains approximately 87 milligrams um, per 100 grams of spinach. So when you think when you cook spinach, um, how much it reduces, you could possibly eat 200 grams of of spinach as a serving. But as a 100 gram serving, you've got 87 milligrams of um, spinach, and that equates to 21% of the recommended daily intake. So, um, So really quite, quite high, I think. Um, so, so let's think about some others as well, Aileen. Do you have any foods that you would recommend for my, their magnesium content? Yeah, well, um, we haven't mentioned sea vegetables, Karen, so mm. um, that's quite a, an easy thing to add. So I'm thinking of things like kelp and, and nori, and you can buy these as 
flakes and you can sprinkle over salads and fish dishes. Um, so th- that's quite an easy thing to do on a daily basis. Uh, you can also purchase the seaweed wafers as a snack pack. So um, in the UK, uh, we have Itsu and Clear Spring. They're the brand names that spring to mind, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, seaweed vegetables are a good thing. And um, also you, you mentioned nuts, Karen, but seeds also contain magnesium. So um, one ounce of pumpkin seeds, so that's 28 grams, contains 150 milligrams of magnesium, which is approximately 37% of the recommended daily intake. So even more potent than nuts. So, you know, you can see by just getting a small amount of nuts and seeds every day, that's really going to start bumping up uh, where you need to go. And and also, you know, having a couple of portions of the green vegetables is is fantastic. Um, You do get some magnesium in whole grains. So things like oats and buckwheats are good sources. And then, um, you know, we, we talked about dark chocolate uh, recently. So dark chocolate is actually a very rich source of magnesium too, with um, 28 grams of dark chocolate or an ounce contains 64 milligrams of chocolate approximately. So that's 16% of the recommended daily intake. Um, And just remember when you're choosing your dark chocolate, choose one that's got at least 70% cacao or more. Um, So that's... um, that's good. Something to uh, to a little bit of um, a bit of a treat food there yeah, that will help people. Very <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that episode is um, is coming up soon, so look out for it. Um, and interestingly, it, uh, there's there's often people say you know you can tell what you need depending on your cravings. So when people crave dark chocolate, it's often a sign that they're deficient in magnesium. Um, so, um, think about that one as well. Mm. So, <laughs> okay, Karen, so we, we're rounding, um, up towards the end of, of the episode, but I just wondered if there's anything else you'd like to add about sources of magnesium. Yes, actually. And then I would just, um, add a couple of lifestyle approaches. We've spoken about the foods and the drinks and things, but there are sort of potential lifestyle approaches that people could take to help enhance magnesium uptake. So I'm thinking here of things like magnesium baths. So potentially some magnesium may be absorbed through the skin whilst relaxing in a bath. Um, and also I think, you know, just having a, a nice warm bath will, will help with sleep, which could also support magnesium levels because, as we mentioned earlier, poor sleep is a stressor and stressor and stress compromise, compromises magnesium status. So just so having a warm bath with magnesium salts in it can support um, magnesium levels in, in more than one way, actually. And then also you can purchase magnesium body lotions and magnesium sprays. Again, it's going to be in small amounts, but it could help um, support the absorption of um, some magnesium through the skin, the skin. So really helping our, our levels in a, in a small way. And then again, there are supplements. You know, there may be magnesium supplements may be required for a period of time. Um, but like I said earlier, we do recommend you test first and 
and work with a pre- pre- professional to personalize the magnesium needs, your magnesium needs, as they are going to be different for everybody. And also there are different forms of magnesium. And again, what type or what form of magnesium you need is going to be very individual. And uh, and, and some are more easily absorbed than others. So some uh, can be suitable for the digestive tract only, and then others can be uh, more supportive of systemic uh, magnesium needs, cellular magnesium needs. So that's just a few other things that that could be considered to support magnesium, maybe. Yeah, and I think all those things you've mentioned there, Karen, it's like all about all these small things that are part of your day-to-day either food or lifestyle plan are going to um, add up to the your daily magnesium status so I certainly you know if you come into my bathroom you'll find magnesium soils and the body lotions and mm-hmm. sprays and I have the supplements in, in my supplement drawer in the kitchen so that they're, they're there ready for me when I need to need to use them mm-hmm. so um, you mentioned there Karen about testing and uh I just thought I'd, I'd mention that it is usually possible to ask your uh, your GP, your doctor, to uh, do a, a standard blood serum test to determine magnesium levels. However, usually it's best to ask for a red blood cell test um, because that's thought to be more sensitive to magnesium deficiencies. Um, and this is because when the body becomes magnesium deficient it will pull stored magnesium from the red blood cells into the serum of the blood so a standard blood test may show magnesium levels as normal even though the red blood cell stores of magnesium are depleted Um, if you wanted a a red blood cell test to determine um, your magnesium levels you might have to do it privately either through health insurance if you've got it or through a, a private testing company and if that's something people wanted we certainly have um, contacts with uh, labs for our clients and that's how we we do it Um, so just another little bit of interesting um, information there so Karen um, we've we've got to bring our chat to a close so Mm. um, thank you so much for all of uh, that great information could you round up with the key takeaways from today's episode, please? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So um, just as a reminder, magnesium is an essential mineral. That is, it it must be provided from our diet as the body is unable to synthesize it. And magnesium is known as the universal mineral um, because it's known to be involved in over 300 metabolic reactions as a mineral, but also as a cofactor in the different enzyme reactions. And magnesium is important for a runner because it is influential in energy production, glucose metabolism, and muscle contraction, to name the ones that we've discussed today. But it is thought to support exercise performance in many other ways, both directly and indirectly. And uh, magnesium insufficiency or deficiency could affect running performance due to fatigue linked to the poor energy production, the muscle weakness and damage um, due to poor muscle function and reduced glucose breakdown, leading to, again, to that poor energy production and also muscle cramps and twitches and also the restless leg syndrome that we spoke about. 
as a result of the poor muscle function, but also the compromised neural pathways as well. And there are many risk factors for compromised magnesium status, some of which are within our control and others that are outside of our control. So the ones within our control include diet, stress, exercise and possibly some medications and then ones outside of our control include age and certain medical conditions such as as Crohn's and and kidney disease but also some some medications as well and we can take control of our diets to help increase magnesium availability so some changes to consider include reducing your caffeine alcohol and fizzy drink intake just drinking sufficient water but not overhydrating and also increasing your intake of the dark green leafy vegetables nuts and seeds whole grains and of course not forgetting dark chocolate And then finally, if you do think you may be low in magnesium and that it may be an issue for you, then we do recommend you have your levels tested and then work with a professional who will be able to address your needs. And that would be it, Aileen. Thank you, Karen. That's uh, a really interesting topic for discussion. I, I do love our weekly conversations. Mm. And, uh, and remember, everybody, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.